Hey yo, welcome back to Beyond the Diamond. We are your hosts, Colby Rush and Hunter Braverman. Remember to follow us on Insta at Beyond the Diamond Podcast and Twitter at Beyond the Dia Pod. Let's get right into today's show. What's up, guys? We are back with a special Sunday edition of Beyond the Diamond, a little Sunday night podcast for you, wrapping up this weekend's action. And, um, you know, good weekend for Fairfield Colby, but unfortunately, that first L came today. Yeah, great. I mean, great weekend. Took three out of four, but we we got the we had took the loss, but I think it's a good thing. We got the monkey off our back before playoffs because you don't want to deal with that record coming into playoffs like Gonzaga did the NCAA tournament this year. It's a good point. It's it's like a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing and it's amazing, best season in program history. But you almost feel more comfortable now. You got it out of the way. We can just play our game. We don't have to worry about keeping the streak intact. Exactly. Um, and a good one for UConn, too. Um, plans got a little weird, but we ended up getting a nice little two-game series in against Bucknell and took care of business in those games. We'll get into that a little more. But as always, we're going to start off with the top 25. Yeah, so um, top three did not change. Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Texas. Probably won't see it change for the rest of the year. Um, Tennessee jumped up from six to four. Um, TCU's up to five. They were eight last week. Shout out Ryan Sporden. Great horned frog. Um, Mississippi State dropped to six. Louisville State at seven. Notre Dame jumped uh, from 10 to eight. Um, Oregon made a big leap from 13 to nine. And then East Carolina dropped one spot to 10. Yeah, and uh, Louisville, you might see a little drop. Notre Dame, you might see a little rise. We'll get in a while a little later, but some eventful weekends for them. Texas Tech coming in at 11, all the way down from five after going one and two on the week. Um, and once again, team, you might see drop a little bit um, after a tough weekend against Texas. Arizona made a nice little jump up to 12. South Carolina at 13. They're putting together a nice year this year. Florida staying consistent at the 14 spot, 3-1 uh, and one in the week. Charlotte at 15, Louisiana Tech at 16, Pitt at 17, Stanford at 18, Old Miss 19, uh, falling down from 12, Old Miss. Uh, Florida State up to 20. Gonzaga, they're not just a basketball school, folks. Hmm. They are at 21. Nebraska, Southern Miss, UC Irvine, and Old Dominion rounding out the rankings. Indiana State fell out. They had been at 21. Uh, Virginia Tech and Michigan, also Oklahoma State. They're the teams that fell out this week. Uh, the SEC leads all conferences with seven teams in the rankings. The ACC and Conference USA, a very underrated conference. They got some great ball clubs. They each have four. Um, the Big 12 and Pac-12 each have three teams. And the Big West, Big 10, WCC, and American each have one. Yeah, um, I think the ACC is Vanderbilt. It's Vanderbilt and uh, Louisville. It, it's those two teams. Um, SEC is a tight race. I'm not honestly sure who's going to end up winning the AC, uh, SEC. I know the SEC West versus SEC, SEC East. Um, there's two clear-cut front runners, Arkansas and Vanderbilt. Um, Big 12, they got Texas and TCU. Um Oh, Tennessee also in the SEC. Um, one I wanted to point out was Ole Miss. They seem to just, since they've been one, they just have had a fall from grace. I'm not honestly sure if they have another down week, if they're still going to be in the top 25. Yeah, it's been a little tough for them. And this is also power rankings from last week. So they'll be getting a fresh set out tomorrow on D1 Baseball and Baseball America. So we'll see where the Rebels are standing there. Um yeah, definitely not the season they've hoped for. They're obviously still doing well enough to be a 19th ranked team in the country, but 
they had a little higher expectations than that. Yeah, and the Pac-12 um, having three teams, that's a, a very underrated conference like the Conference USA is, but um, not many people watch the West Coast games because obviously they're late, but that's some great baseball going on out there. Yeah, and after Beyond the Diamond here told you, watch out for Oregon. There they are, all the way up to nine after not being ranked to start the season. Yep, exactly. Um, I'd say top five probably is going to stay like that. Maybe Mississippi State or Notre Dame jumps in there but that's a pretty good top five um, rest of the rankings. Texas Tech came back after – they've just been good since they went – what, started the season 0-4. They've only lost six games since then. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're an impressive ball club. Their lineup is very deep. They got a lot of good arms to throw in the upper 90s. So, I mean, hard to say that's not dangerous. Yeah, and then Charlotte, I believe their center fielder got hurt – or right fielder maybe – um he was he was stretchered off the field it looked really bad um so that's probably a big loss for them unfortunately yeah i just feel terrible about that um so yeah that's the top 25 um some of the notable games this weekend were um arkansas lsu um and vanderbilt florida two big sec matchups um arkansas won lsu not ranked but they're still a good team um Vanderbilt at two and Florida at 14 so let's get right into it yeah I'll start off with Arkansas LSU so for this series uh the Louisiana governor John Bell Edwards he announced that the state could allow 100% capacity back for outdoor sporting events which is a fun thing to see so Alex Box Stadium down there in Baton Rouge was packed to the gills with over 10,000 fans there um at when the series wrapped up Arkansas had taken two out of three I guess we're giving you a spoiler right now but they won a series at LSU for the first time since 2004, and they set a program record with seven straight SEC series wins over the last few weeks. So, understandably, it is very likely that they will be holding on strong at the number one spot when the rankings come out again tomorrow. Um, on Friday night, uh, Arkansas had a 7 0 win. It was a great pitcher's duel. Uh, Patrick Whitlander and LSU's Landon Marchaud, who had a no hitter through the first six innings against that Arkansas lineup. It's very impressive. Um, but Wicklander was just as good. He only allowed three hits in his six and two-thirds scoreless. On um, the top of the seventh, Matt Goodhart broke up the LSU no-hitter with a single left center and later that inning. Christian Franklin, who had a monster weekend, drove home two runners with a single to put Arkansas up 2-0. Uh, they broke it open the eighth, scored five, including a two-run single by Brady Slavens and a three-run homer by who else but Franklin. Um, and you'll be hearing his name a few more times in the next couple minutes. Uh, Kevin Copps came in, their closer. He struck out four over two innings, got a sixth save of the year, and the right-handers struck out 11 consecutive batters, dating back to his appearance at South Carolina on the 22nd of April, and that tops just Todd's school record of nine straight strikeouts set in 2007. Um, so then on Saturday, uh, Saturday doubleheader, actually. Uh, game one, I mean, our, it was a high-scoring matchup for sure. Arkansas 17, LSU 10. Um it, they made, made it a doubleheader because of bad weather coming in today. Um, so Christian Franklin, again, he's going to be mentioned a lot, uh, continued his insane weekend. He drove in four runs, um, as did, uh, you know, Mr. Oompa Loompa, Robert Moore. Um, six more Razorback players recorded multiple hits, including three hit days from Franklin, Moore. He was a double short of the cycle, actually, and Caden Wallace. Um, Arkansas jumped out to a 5-0 lead in the first inning, big spot, then put up seven more in the fifth and four more in the sixth. A.J. Labas was blast, 
blasted for nine earned in four innings for LSU. Tough, tough go. Um, Pey- while Peyton Paletti threw four solid innings, only give up giving up uh, two runs and throwing up throwing sixty six pitches. Yeah, it seemed like they thought the game was in hand a little bit, taking them out that early. But then their bullpen gave up some runs, got a little tighter than they hoped for. But at the end of the day, they were fine, um, and they didn't put too much strain on Pallet's arm. So game two, LSU came back with a little bit of advantage, took a five to four win. Uh, LSU senior Michael Hilliard, he came to play. Um, he held the red, red hot offense of Arkansas to just one run on two hits through five innings. It was his first SEC start since 2019. So you see, since the Hill injury, LSU's starting staff needs to be a little deeper. So it's nice to see a guy like that step up. Um, and then in relief, uh, Garrett Edwards, who's just a freshman, he was just as good. He came in and fired three scoreless and struck out two. Um, Cade Doughty, the Tigers' third baseman, he was making noise again. We mentioned him on last week's show. He launched a three-run home run in the first inning, set the tone, and then Dylan Cruz, the right fielder, and Drew Bianco, the center fielder, each drove home the other runs for LSU. Um, so at the end of the day, Arkansas took two out of three. They are now at 34-8, and eight, number one club in the nation. Um, and Dave Van Horn's club is going to take on Georgia in a home series next weekend. Who was the first team to beat Vandy in a series this year? That is a good point. So um, he had knocked Vandy out of the number one spot when they were up there. So they'll be a quality opponent. Yep. And like we were talking about Vanderbilt. So Vanderbilt two, uh, number two seed, number two team in the country, Florida, number 14 team. Um, they were number two preseason um, or number one preseason uh, game one rocker. He didn't go as long as usual, but he was still pretty dominant. Only four hits, two earned runs, four walks, eight Ks. Every Vandy starter in their lineup had at least one hit with three recording multiple hits. They were up 7-0 after three before Florida even scored. Um, it was 11-4 Vandy after seven. Uh, Jack Bolger, two-RBI two double uh, to add to his three-RBI night. Um, Enrique Bradfield Jr. is probably the fastest player I've ever seen in my life. Um, he covers center like it's no one no one else is even out in the outfield, and um, – he just steals bases for fun, I think. But that I could be wrong, of course. He might actually be doing his job. Who knows? Um, and then Keegan had an RBI double. Um, and Bradfield and Thomas both had two RBIs apiece. Uh, and in, with Bolger, Rodriguez also had three RBIs. Um, yep. Uh, while we're talking about Rodriguez, that throw he made the other night from his knees to the guy out at second base, that'll play. Hey, maybe it'll play a little bit, but yeah, no, it's just not fair that they have two aces and then a catcher who can just do that. Yeah. And you'll see on the aces Instagram stories, they're always promoting their catcher. So you love to see them giving them, them giving their catcher some love um, and well-earned by Rodriguez. So yeah. game two lighter looked a little bit, a little bit beatable. Shall we say he wasn't, he wasn't his usual self. He only went four, five hits, seven runs, five of them earned. Walked four guys and only struck out four. So, granted, Florida is a very tough team. Um, they had come in at number two to start the season. They're in the middle of the pack now in the top 25, but still a dangerous opponent. Um, not what they're hoping for in what at this point is just becoming postseason tune-ups for Vandy. Um, so, you know, you still have confidence in a guy like him with what he brings to the table, but not ideal, that's, that's for sure. Uh, Maxwell Romero Jr. had a two-run shot. He put Vandy up six to five in the fourth and who else, but Enrique Bradfield just stealing more bases. 
Um, going for Florida was their guy, Tommy Mace. Uh, he went eight innings, 10 innings, or excuse me, 10 hits, seven runs, six of them earned, no walks, seven strikeouts. So, you know, he definitely had the longevity, but, you know, gave up a couple runs there. Um, Florida's lineup was rolling, though. Their three, four, five trio combined for four home runs and seven RBIs. Uh, Judd Fabian, who, you know, he came into the year as one of the guys we were pegging as an early draft pick. So now he's starting to heat up a bit more. Two home run night, um, including a three run homer. It set the tone in the bottom of the first. There were six lead changes in this game. Um, Florida took back the lead in the bottom of the fourth on a fielding error Vandy made. Then in the fifth, uh, Chris Armstrong put the game in hand, a two-run shot to make it 11-6 Florida. And Florida had double-digit hits in eight of their last nine entering today's game, which now you will get to. Yeah, uh, just to touch on Leiter, um, that seems like three back-to-back starts that he hasn't looked his dominant self. So wonder if there's something mechanically going on. And then Mace, he gave up six runs, but he didn't give up a single run after the fourth inning. So he took him a little bit to settle in, but once he settled in, he was pretty dominant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, game three, um, Florida took it five, three to beat Vandy, uh, in only their second series since 2019, they lost one in 2019 and two this year. So they're dominant, but they're clearly beatable, especially when one of their aces loses. Um, Baracco started for Florida McLevin for Vandy. Um, McLevin went three innings, five hits, five earned runs, four walks, four Ks. Not a great night, um, especially over three innings. Um, and then Baracco went five five and a third, five hits, three runs, one walk, seven Ks. Not dominant, but he didn't allow many runs, which is what you need out of your starter. Um, and just uh, mm-hmm. Riley came in for relief for Vandy, and he looked pretty good. Um, Armstrong and McMullen uh, doubled and singled respectively to open up the scoring for Florida in the first two nothing. Um, Thomas Homer to left for Vandy to cut down the lead to one in the top of the second. Then Thomas uh, Thompson singled, not to be confused with Thomas, uh, scoring two in the third, put Florida up four one. Uh, Young reached on a fielder's choice, making it five one Florida. Enrique Bradfield, super fast guy, but he he grounded out, but he scored a run five two, and then Nolan hit a sack fly to make it five three Vandy. Um, so like I said, they lost their second series of the year, but. That's pretty good considering it's May. Yeah, I mean, it speaks for itself how impressive that is. And if you're going to lose to anybody, it's understandable that Florida Ball Club is hungry to prove themselves and rise up those SEC standings. So, you know, tough weekend, especially when you see Leiter get hit around and Kumar only go five innings. The longevity will be key for them to not overextend their bullpen since they might need him in game three. But, yeah, all in all, bit of – not what Tim Corbin was looking for out of that weekend. Yeah, no, it's not ideal, but like you said, it's postseason tune-ups, so if they can fix what they did wrong, they're going to be a good squad, but they're definitely beatable, unlike what we thought earlier in the year. Yeah, any given day in this game of baseball, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, some other games we had our eyes on this weekend, Clemson. The Tigers came to play against Louisville here. They swept them and handed them their first ACC sweep in seven years. So that's not bad. Uh, Caden Grace, who's just a freshman for the Tigers, uh, he led the way with an unreal three home run and eight RBI game on Friday night. That'll play for sure. Uh, Clemson, a team we thought might make might be good at the beginning of the year, but you know they haven't lived up to the expectations. Obviously, 
Louisville, though, they were seven entering this week, um, getting swept for the first time in seven years, too. Um, that's not a good look for a team that was thought to be one of the top two teams in the ACC. Maybe they still are. Maybe it was just an off off weekend, but still not ideal. Yeah. Um, speaking of ACC, uh, Notre Dame swept their series against North Carolina. They beat Austin Love on Friday night, so that just gave them the confidence throughout the rest of the weekend. That's our guy right there. <laughs> um, they scored 36 runs throughout those three games, by the way, and they improved to 21-8 and eight in ACC play. Um, the Irish, led by our boy Nico Cavadas, he just hits and hits. They're a dangerous squad. Yeah, well, we had Josh on. He talked about how they might start making a run because that was only – and, of course, we highlighted them before they even started playing because of the COVID delay. But um, North Carolina, not the best team this year, but still a sweep is a sweep, especially when you score 36 runs in three games. That's over 10 runs a game. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. As a team that was ranked a few weeks ago, they had snuck into the bottom 24-25. So, of course, they're a dangerous squad, even if they're not completely dominant right now as they normally would be. So, yeah. The, the Irish are a special team, so look for them to keep rising. They look like the team um, to well beat in the They definitely might be. I mean, it's hard to say otherwise. Yeah. Um, Old Dominion took three out of four from Charlotte, um, a team who's ranked 15th, I believe. Um, so, yeah, 15th entering this week, so we'll see what they're ranked now. Um, it was highlighted by uh, the first shutout of the Charlotte bats this season and a Carter Trice run rule walk-off home run. Cause that's a thing now with the conference games where you can run rule teams after seven. Um, I love a run actually, rule walk-off home run. It's just so awkward because you're like, Oh, the game's over now, even though we're up by this much, it's yeah, a walk-off. Yeah. No one knows what to do. Cause like you got to wait till the umpires signal it. So you can't celebrate immediately, even though you know the game's over, everyone keeps running. And it's just weird. You stand around awkwardly and feel good about yourselves, I guess. I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, You're good. Yeah. So then Southern Miss, um, they actually lost their season opener against Rice. But, um, yeah, they decided to just slaughter them the next three <laughs> games, um, outscoring them 30-3, to three, which is just an insane number. Yeah, we saw that lineup firsthand when they took on UConn second weekend of the year. They're a dangerous team. Um, like I said, I will promote the conference USA because there are some really good teams there, Southern Miss included. Um, they're dangerous. Their entire lineup, they're hard to beat. They got some solid pitching too. So watch out for them. They can make a run. I believe they were at 23 um, yeah. last week. So we'll see if they keep rising after that blowout. Those blowouts, I should say. Yeah, big blowouts. Our friends at TCU, they swept West Virginia on the road. They only allowed six runs along the way, and they pulled ahead of Texas by two and a half games in the Big 12 standings. I think that actually might be down to two games now because Texas won today. Um, that was before, but, yeah, a great weekend for TCU. Yeah, um, Texas, the number three team in the country that we don't think is going to change anytime soon. So them not even being in first place in their own conference, that either says TCU is just insane or that conference is insane, which it could be both. It looks yeah. like it could be both. I think it is. Um, but yeah, that brings us to Texas Tech, yeah. Texas. That's been a fun series to watch, very competitive. Uh, Texas took the first two, 
close margins. It was 5-3 and 6-3, I believe the scores were. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Tech head coach Tim Tadlock, he tried to go all out today. Um, he was running his bullpen out there, but it didn't happen. Yeah, I think in the fourth inning, they went through like five pitchers or something. And Ken Rogers, who we'll talk about again later, was like, maybe we'll just see every arm out of their pen today because that seems to be the move. They were going like one pitcher, one batter, one pitcher, one batter. It was like old school MLB stuff. It was awesome. Yeah. I remember your boy Bruce Bochy was doing that in an extra inning game at Fenway a few years ago. He just kept playing the matchup game with the September call-ups. He had the loaded bullpen. He was like, okay, we'll go righty, lefty, righty, just every other guy. Yeah, when he so used to have – like we had a little taste of that. In 2010 when he had Affel, Lopez, Romo, Wilson, four guys who all could all close games, could all be lefty, righty specialists. It was that's, – that's baseball. It is. Mind games. Rob Manfred disagrees, though. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, well. That's, that's a conversation for another episode, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, the Longhorns prevailed in this one 11-3. So, ultimately, they sweep the number five team in the nation. So, strong showing for them. And, uh, and yeah, not what Texas Tech was looking for. They hoped that they could pull out some – I don't even want to say upsets because they're both so good. But, you know. Could we see them jump Fandy in the next rankings? That's a great point. I mean, I think about that. Vandy lost a series to a team in the middle of the pack in the rankings. Texas Tech is number five team right now, and they got swept. So it's possible. I mean, Hello, Longhorns. I think we might see it tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to keep my eyes out for it. That's for sure. Yeah. And that would be. It'd be a big surprise from when we thought we were a few weeks ago, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Anything can happen. Um, and then Seton Hall, Big East. Um, pitcher Tyler Burnham threw a 13-strikeout no-hitter against Georgetown this afternoon. So, shout-out, obviously. Love no some no-nos. Not that yeah, Georgetown's we... great, but still. <laughs> we're ending the season against Seton Hall. Um yeah, Georgetown's lineup's having a tough time. They uh, they got shut out in both games when they came here. Uh, ben Casperi struck out 15 of them, and Austin Peterson, I forget how many he struck out, but he got through seven shutout on 77 pitches. So their lineup is having a little bit of a tough go at it right now. Yeah, not, not a great look. Um, but, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Um, some other college baseball news um, Kendall Rogers who we just mentioned um, he tweeted uh, the other day that um, the NCAA selection committee will now announce 20 possible regional host sites the week of May 10th and then we'll dwindle that number to 16 the night before selection Monday so this will allow more teams to compete for host sites um, and then he followed that up by saying um, there were 46 sites that were submitted bids to host the regionals so the committees will have a tough decision ahead, whittling that number down and then whittling down again later. Yeah, I mean, I think we know we could probably determine. We could probably figure out where the host sites are if we really wanted to do the research. But I don't know. They might pull a wild card and put some some host sites just because of the stadiums they have, not because of their ranking. So that would be interesting. If only I knew a team that had a brand new stadium that had some nice facilities to offer. <laughs> I can't seem to grasp what we are thinking of. No, I, I don't know. Nah, no idea. <laughs> um, so now into um 
some Fairfield highlights. And there were highlights, even though we lost one game. But uh, we played Siena this weekend, two doubleheaders, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, game one, Mike Sanson went the distance. He had 11 Ks, career high. It honestly felt like a Jacob deGrom type game because eight of the first nine batters he faced, he struck out. And the only guy he didn't strike out was a home run on a 3-2 pitch when the 2-2 pitch was right down the middle, called a ball. So whatever. Still salty about that. But we won the game, so it's all good. Um, we didn't score. It was – the Siena pitcher threw a, was throwing a one-hitter into the seventh. And then we got one hit. An error advanced him to third. They, we scored – 1-1, one, one, and then a blue single walk-off by Owen Wastlinger, um, grad grad transfer. So, great for him, getting his first start at home. Um, game two, we run-ruled him. Jake Noviel, friend of the show, pitching like he normally does, seven innings. Five hits, I believe, eight Ks, something like something around that number. Uh, Ten, nothing. Nothing big. We were like, we're done playing these close games. Let's just, you know, get it over <laughs> with through seven. Yeah. Um. Well, then we played what was a close game for most of the game, game three. Uh, John Signor, six-year senior. Great guy. I love him. Um, first loss of the season by any pitcher. Um, it was 6-1 Siena. It was one nothing for a while, and then um, they just went on a tear. He had a no-hitter through four innings. Um, and then what happened? Oh, then the fifth inning. I was like, oh, he's got a no-hitter. Then, of course, that went well. Um, back to back to back. Tripled and two doubles. Tripled down the first baseline just out of our first baseman's uh, stretch. Then it hit off the wall. Weird. Bounced. Got a triple. Next guy. And I've never seen this sequence before. Doubled off the third base bag. Down the line. Took a weird, takes a weird kick off the tarp. The next guy does the exact same thing. Neither ball was hit hard, just somehow hit the exact perfect spot on the base to get through over the third baseman, Charlie Pagliarini's glove. So then that made it 4-1. Four four we brought in Nick Grayback. Or it made it 3-1. He And then Grayback gave up uh, four, three, three runs um, over one and two-thirds innings. And then we brought in Pete Austin to finish, finish it. But our bats couldn't pick up in the bottom of the seventh. We hit balls hard, maybe four onto the warning track, but for some reason their outfielders were playing on the warning track, so that made it tough. They're scared um, of you guys. Yeah, and then game four, we bounced back. Um, our ace, Trey McLaughlin, finally came back from injury. He pitched two shutout innings, was dominant. Um, and then Bryson Cafaro came in and pitched six and two-thirds. Um, great innings. We won four nothing. Seems to me like in game three, the first loss of baseball guys just said, we're tired of you guys. I think that's what happened. <laughs> I mean, you don't see that too often. Nonetheless, back-to-back -back plays bouncing off the bag like that. But yeah, I mean, like we said, it, the team is amazing, but there was bound to be one that slipped in there, gets the monkey yeah. off your back and can just focus on baseball and not a crazy streak anymore. Exactly. And they were clearly pissed off and responded in a big way with the four nothing win it's great to see trey mclaughlin back on the hill for sure it was a great sight to see him in a uniform indeed so now moving on to uconn um a little bit of a weird week because we're coming back from our two-week covid pause that was a lot of fun um <laughs> but the series at xavier ended up getting pushed back a little bit 
um, so we could get some guys cleared out of the protocol. So we started with the doubleheader on Sunday. Um, first game, I mean, let's be honest, there was some rust after being out that long. We lost five to nothing. Uh, ben Kasparius only got through five. He still struck out eight um, because he's filthy. Um, but shout out to Nick Zwack for Xavier. He he was amazing on the mound. He really did his job well, held us to only six hits. Um, six hits and three guys had a pair of hits, David Langer, Kevin Frere, and Eric Stock. Um, game two, uh, we bounced back in a big way, uh, four home runs in the game. David Langer, you know, he's a, he's a senior for us. Chris Brown had still been out from the protocol, so he got the nod for the Savior Series, and he's such a good dude, so I'd love to see him getting back in action. He had his first home run of the year. It was an absolute bullet, um, and he had a bunch of hits in this series too, so he was really doing well. Uh, Reggie Crawford, because he doing Reggie Crawford things, uh, two-run shot, his league-leading ninth home run of the year that was at the time, um, and Austin Peterson earned his Big East leading fifth win of the season. Um, five innings of work, allowing three hits and striking out seven. Um, it was tied three to three in the sixth. And we got a sack fly from Stock and a two-run single from Kyler Fedko. Um, gave us the lead, and we didn't really look back because Stock hit his first home run in Husky uniform and Chris Winkle, eight to three. But the thing everybody took out of this game was Kenny House. He came out of the bullpen. He struck out the first nine guys he faced. It was downright ridiculous. If you haven't seen the video, go check it out on the Econ Baseball Twitter. Because, I mean, you were just sitting there like, no, nah, they're not going to strike out again. Oh, they got two strikes. Oh, well, they struck out again. It was amazing. <laughs> um, and then he ended the ball to Caleb Borster in the ninth, and he did Caleb Borster things. Got the save. Um, followed that up with an absolutely wild game on Monday. Back and forth. Um, at one point, we were down 9-2. to two. It was not an ideal game for us. And that was in the seventh inning. We decided to come back in the eighth. We'll make it 11, 11 to 11, because why not? Why not? <laughs> just a crazy rally with so much going on. Just about everybody in the lineup really contributed to it. If I tried to go through everything, we'd be here for another hour. But um, it was an amazing comeback. Um, Xavier kept running out Trey Schramm. Um, he pitched three or four innings. Let me double check this box score. Three and two thirds innings. Um, he's a big guy they trust out of their penny through 64 pitches. We were doing the same thing with Caleb Borster a little bit um, coming back three innings, 52 pitches. So yeah, the, the big guys for these teams are going back and forth, back and forth. And then they called the game because of darkness. So we resumed it at 11 o'clock the next day. Um, they would put in the runner on second because of that conference rules, darkness, whatever it is. Um, we got a Zach Bushling ground out to score Chris Swinkle, and then Kyler Fedko hit a home run, and we won that game 15-13. to 13. It was a classic. Um, yeah. The runner on second rule, now that you've actually experienced it, any thoughts? My thoughts are I don't like it because I'm a baseball purist, but, like, I understand why we did it in that situation. Xavier doesn't have lights at their field. They were trying to get the game done. Yeah. So, like, I guess – I mean, if you start it deeper in extra innings, that's what I'd be for under normal circumstances. That's so. what I think. I think if they let us like that, let us still have like fairly long, like maybe 12th or 13th inning. Okay, so let's start with the runner on second. And the 10th? Nah. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. It's just, it's tough for coaching because you don't know well, do I want to just bunt him over and make sure I get that one run home? Or do you want to just try to put the foot on the pedal and keep scoring? So 
So I don't know. I mean, everybody goes about it their own way. We chose for just the, I mean, I guess we didn't choose. We ended up just getting that one run home and then Kyler fed go because he's a monster at that home run. Um, then a series finale at Xavier. It was a little bit of a tough one. Um, we took two nothing lead in the fifth uh, after another Eric Stockholm run. Hadn't hit one in UConn uniform. Then you know decided to do it twice in the series. Um, bottom half of the frame, Xavier had a pair of home runs, got three two lead. Um, in the eighth inning, we had a nice little rally going. Kyler walked, Kevin Fair singled, and Reggie walked a little the bases. Christian Fedko with a sack fly, and then Ben Maycock a little chopper up the middle that they mishandled and put the go ahead run. Um, and Kyler hit an insurance shot in the ninth, but then ultimately we couldn't hold the lead in the bottom half, and Xavier took that game. Um, Six to five. So wasn't ideal, but coming off that little bit of rust, I guess I'll take two and two in conference play. You know, they were there were some great games to watch. Um, the guys were playing their butts off. So we did what we could. And ultimately, at least we got some wins in there. Yeah, I mean, especially tough coming off a 13 in a game. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're not going to win them all. So if you had won that one, great. But you're one of those teams was gonna have a heartbreaking loss in that second game. No, that's exactly the second game and the high scoring affair. Whoever lost it, you just felt terrible for them. Exactly. So it evened out, I suppose. It's only so fair you split was, them. Yeah, this was a strange week because we were supposed to play Butler. Had a false positive in the program. Butler canceled their flights and couldn't rebook them. There's some controversy around that. I'm not going to get into it, but let's just say UConn was very much ready to play Butler, but Butler did not make the trip. So anyway, Bucknell needed an opponent. So we said, sure, come on down to stores. Um, we had a little two-game set with them Saturday, Sunday. Um, the first game, we beat them 9-1. to one. Um, Ben Kasperis, again, he was downright ridiculous. Went seven innings, had a no-hitter through six, I should say. Um, I really thought he was going to do it because he was just on fire. Um, but they, they scrapped across two hits in the seventh, got a little rally going, but struck the guy out for his 14th K of the day to leave the bases loaded in the seventh. So might see him getting Biggie's pitcher of the week after that performance, at least. I'd say I so. hope. Well, actually I forgot about the no hitter, but yeah. So I guess you might have to give it to him, but maybe. They both were very good. Let's just put it that way. Um, the Winkle brothers had a great game. Um, Pat Winkle hit two. Chris Winkle hit one. Pat Winkle's second home run, it got uh, retweeted by Big Cat from Barstool because the Bucknell pitcher <laughs> pointed up to his outfielders to catch it. I went over the scoreboard in right field. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't that, think they were that getting that <laughs> Maybe he was just pointing that the ball went very high. We never know. Whoa, look at that. <laughs> It could be. It's like Dennis Eckersley said, I'd be proud to give that up. Yeah. No, that's a bomb. It wasn't even a bad pitch. No, but Pat, he turned on that thing. Lefty, lefty. My God, that he thing was, ready. was demolished. Speaking of demolished, Ben Maycock had his first home run of the year. He had a two-run absolute line drive shot to right field. Um, and then it came after Chris Brown, who finally got back in the lineup, had a two-run single. Um Next pitch after Chris Brown's two-run single, Benny did that. So um, nice way to start off the series with a 9-1 to win. And then today, it was a little bit of an ugly game, 13-6 to win. Um, 
But at the end of the day, we pulled it out, got the W. That's all that matters. Um, a little bit of sloppy play on both sides, but Reggie Crawford had two RBI doubles. Um, little hits down left field line. Christian Fedko an RBI single as well. Um, the turning point to me really was the top of the fifth inning. Um, Bucknell thought they were really going to get into the game. They had a double off left field fence, but Eric Stuck to Chris Brown to Pat Winkle threw the runner out at the plate. Uh, they reviewed it, even though I saw a picture afterwards that he was clearly out by a lot. So I saw that picture too. I mean, they made the right call, but it just seemed like they were reviewing it for much longer than they had to, but whatever, we got the right decision. Um, and then from that point forward, we scored seven unanswered, including a sixth run sixth. Uh, Chris Brown had a three-hit day. Coach Penders mentioned that he got the game ball, which you love to see. And we were bringing out the big guns out of the bullpen. It was a tight game, and then we wanted to just get them to work as well. Uh, Randy Polonia, Andrew Marrero, Kenny House, Reggie Crawford, and Caleb Borster finished it off. So all in all, good win there. Um, we're heading, hitting the road for some Big East play at St. John's. So looking forward to that, um, starting with Friday night baseball uh this week got st john's and then a midweek against northeastern and villanova so no shortage of big east play and that's your latest from stores pretty good uh week and a half i'd say yeah oh, especially okay. coming back after that pause it's uh, just good to get back to baseball oh exactly um still got some work to do to catch creighton in the top spot in the big east but i'm kind of confidence we'll get there we're starting to look like ourselves again so I think talent-wise, you're definitely the top team. team. So, it's just the games, number of games you play. That's the, that's the killer this year. Yeah, it's like a race for us to get to even get to the 14 games to qualify for the Big East tournament because of all the, you know, stuff that went down. Let's just say. Um, yeah. So yeah, we as long as nothing crazy happens, we should get there. Let me find some wood to knock on. But uh, you know, they'll probably they might change yeah, the rules too. Who knows? It might shift That's what around. I was hoping. They were trying to get us some credits for that Butler series, but I don't know if that'll happen. Yeah, who knows? But um, speaking of coming back, um, Okunia and Trout came back this week in the MLB. Oh, I should say we're shifting to MLB. Um, Okunia and Trout came back, and um, I'd say they had a pretty good uh, welcoming back. Uh, Acuna hit his eighth and ninth home runs of the year. He could be the first one to ten. Um, Trout just keeps hitting. He's batting like over 420 at this point. Um, he's somehow getting better. Didn't know that you could do that, but that home run he hit the other night off of uh, Newsom with the Mariners just turned on it to center field, effortless swing, just kept carrying and carrying way out of there. And Safeco's not an easy place to hit the ball out of either. No, he made it like I was like, oh, Trout's inevitable. He probably hit like a double in the gap. The swing made it look like he hit a double gap, and it just kept going. And I'm like, but his swing doesn't add up to the ball going that far. He's just so strong. Well, he's a football player in a yeah, or he's a baseball player in a football player's body. Yes, and he and he's a weatherman too. Don't forget. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okuna is single-handedly carrying the Braves. I'd say um, they somehow aren't good. I don't understand why because they're loaded. Their pitching's been struggling a little bit. I still have confidence in that in the long run, so I'm not going to freak out about it yet. Yeah, no, I think I think them and the Phillies are probably going to be the top two at the end of the year. I don't know how the Phillies, Phillies seem to be doing well, but no team in the NL East is really doing insane. Like, the Mets just got swept the by Mets the right lineup. The Mets lineup is down bad right now. 
They're bad. Uh, so I went, I should say, I went to the Mets Red Sox second game, the DeGrom game. DeGrom was batting 545 entering the day. They had one guy, they had two guys hitting 300, and everyone else was under 250. Like, it's not good yeah. at all. Lindor is receiving booze, which you doubt that'll last, but it's still not what you want to see right now after handing out that contract. Every player uh, on Dom the Mets Smith got booed that replicating. night. Yeah, Every well, player. the Mets. Mets fans don't have much patience after a couple years of some mediocrity. No, no, they don't. Um, no, but it was definitely a DeGrom game. He gave up back-to-back doubles in the second or third. Um, to, or not back-to-back. It was Bogart's double, Devers' strikeout, um, and then Vasquez's double. Bogart's, I thought, hit it out. It was a bomb. Um, and then DeGrom was his usual self. But it was one nothing. The Mets don't score for him for some reason unless he does it himself. Yep. Unfortunately for him, Pavetta was gross, just had a tough first inning. Um, and then they brought in – who did they bring in? Um, uh, a few different guys. Um, I know they brought Barnes to close it. He almost had an immaculate inning. Matt Barnes has become one – I don't want to jinx him. Let's I don't just either. say Matt Barnes having a really good year. <laughs> He's having a great year. And, uh, well, this guy we can't jinx. Um, what's, what's his name? The Yankees guy. Um, oh, zero. Got Chapman. Adam, no, Adam. Uh, oh, Adovino. Why well, I don't know why I couldn't think of his name. Um, well, that experience is something. Yeah, that hasn't been ideal so far. Except for the Mets game. He was great against the Mets. He was, throwing, he was on Pitching Ninja. He was nasty. Yeah. Um, I think the part of that I've traded not enough people talk about is Frank Herman. Uh, he was a pretty solid draft pick today third round pick i want to say in 2018 so i'm still i'm surprised they gave him up but they clearly just wanted to get rid of Adovino's salary can't blame him he kind of sucks yeah well you know that's definitely things that you would expect to see the red sox address in the upcoming months with the deadline before we know it the bullpen add to that and the outfield because Franchi Cordero is having a tough go at it. Yeah, no, I can say the same for the Giants, actually. Both first-place teams, um, both bullpens. The Giants' bullpen should be good, but somehow they've blown like nine nine out of their ten losses have been because of blown games. So something – their rotation we know isn't the problem. They lead the majors in ERA. And it's going to go even lower after today, uh, 7-1 win. But their mm-hmm. outfield, Dostromsky being hurt, hurts. Dickerson Slater is a platoon in left field, isn't bad. And then they just address center field with uh, Tauschman. They st- Far- Farhan's doing something good because he stole him from Cashman. He did. I, I guess st- Yankees just grew tired of him. <laughs> I don't, I don't I know really what understand what Cashman's been up to lately. I can't tell you what the Yankees are doing. I like we were saying in the group chat. Some Yankees fans know what baseball is. I don't think Cashman does. <laughs> Their lineup was uh, looking a little rough. Like they won the game last night, but I was just looking at it. And obviously, batting average isn't everything. But six of the nine guys in the lineup were hitting under 200 coming into yesterday's game. That's bad. That's bad. They found. And they started to win some games when they started Kyle Higashioka and benched Gary. I think it's come to that point because Higashioka's played well. And, well, we all know who Gary is. 
Yeah, he's a liability defensively, and he can't hit right now. Not, not a great combo there. No, that's not how you become a starting catcher in the MLB at all. No, I mean, he's been living on his bat. You know, Garrett Cole, he has a great relationship with the guy, Ashioka, and you see, like, rolls he's his eyes well. a little bit with Gary back there. Yeah. No, and he's pitching well, I'd say. Second best mm-hmm. pitcher in New York, but probably one of the top one of the top five in MLB right now. Well, I mean, that's nothing surprising. We know he's a monster. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you can't even compete with Jacob DeGrom. No. Another guy who's doing good is Burns. He got kind of drilled for four runs, but he still kept the walk uh, to strikeout ratio intact. Um, yeah. Yes. Who else? Uh, the Dodgers and Padres guys are doing well. Snell and Snell and Darvish both pitched well against the Giants this weekend. Um, I'd say really well. Giants bullpen again blew it against in the Snell game, but Darvish only gave up two earned runs against the Giants, so he was good. Ryan um, Weathers made a nice impression for the Padres against the Dodgers, but you know he he only went like an inning because he got hurt in his last start. So yeah. that's the last thing the Padres want. I mean, they've built a super rotation, but everybody keeps getting hurt. Yeah, no, that's their the Dodgers too, but you know, Giants too, but you know when you don't hear the Giants fans complaining about there's a lot of injuries going around. And you know, I thought that this was predictable after such a short short season last year. The Brewers have 16 guys in the IL. They lead the league. The Dodgers have 10, 12, I think. I think that's the right number. Yeah. The Giants have 10, um, I think. Giants that you just mentioned. Um, there's Positive. a lot of injuries going around yeah i look at my fantasy roster i have no outfielders in one of my leagues oh they're all like i i got we have to start four and i only have three three healthy i have four unhealthy yeah. i don't know how that works it's speaking of outfielders who were hurt george springer is back hit two home runs in his in second big, game in a blue jay uniform in a big way one that went well over 400 feet yeah i, think I don't he think that like thing has landed yet something. yeah it's ridiculous, but it love to further. see Huskies. It looks further in that stadium, too, because there's nothing past the fence, which I like because it gives it that does. college atmosphere, but it also looks weird. It just goes into the abyss out there. Yeah, so you can see you hit a moonshot, literally. Ball never lands. It's a shame they can't play in Toronto right now because the Rogers Center can be rocking when the Blue Jays are playing well. Mm-hmm. So... For the sake of baseball, let's hope that by the end of the season they can be back up there. Let's hope by playoffs, because I think they'll they'll probably make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I don't see why not. I mean, they need they're another team that needs to address their pitching a little bit, though. Mm-hmm. They keep signing veteran guys to one year deals and hoping it works. We've been saying they need pitching though, like all off season too. We've been saying that for a couple of years now. They got Ryu, but not many, not much else. Yeah, hope Nate Pearson can be who he's been hyped to be when he's back on the bump. Yeah. Um, let's see, who else? Oh, um, Otani. He's probably the most talented. No, he's the most skilled player, and Trout is the best player. And they're both on the same team, and they're both competing to win AL MVP. Yeah. Um, I wonder how that plays out. I saw a thing that was like projected MVP standings, and it had Trout, JD and Otani, of which for two guys that don't play the field, I'm a proponent for that because playing the field is important, but 
if you're making that much of an impact at the plate, you should be getting votes for the MVP. My it's just how one man feels. But yeah, they're they're quite the team there. Rendon is back now. He's doing Rendon things. This is the best team they've ever had around Trout, and it's showing because he's this is the best Trout we've ever seen, and this is the best the Angels have ever performed. I don't know how it's even possible for Trout to have gotten better, but he sure has. He's in he he's inevitable. He is Thanos. Yes, that's a great way to put it. I want I don't want to admit it, but like if he doesn't win, we say it's close between him and Otani, but I don't think it actually is. Same with JD. JD's probably the best hitter right now in baseball, and he's nowhere near Trout's level. I mean, Trout's a superhuman. Not for much to it. There's there's a reason he's in the GOAT conversation because what he does is amazing. And we need to see it in the postseason for everybody to appreciate him. Yeah. Um, Same conversation we've been having for a while. Yeah, and then it's DeGrom versus Acuna for the NL MVP. I genuinely don't know who's going to win that because I don't know if they're going to give it to a pitcher. Yes, and shout out to Dylan Styles. I got something wrong on last week's show because I said that um, Justin Verlander's last pitcher win MVP. It was actually Clayton Kershaw, so my bad on that. Um, but yeah, if DeGrom keeps it up, I don't see why not. Especially because he's the only one hitting in the Mets lineup. Yeah. I mean, we say that, but then Okunia comes back and hits two home runs in his first week back. That is awesome. And it's just, he's an electric player. That's why I think he might win is because of the media vote. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Can't go wrong with either of them. That's for sure. Both great guys too. Yeah. Um, Speaking of great guys, you have a Bryce Harper take. Yeah, so um, I know we both are on the Bryce Harper fan fan base now. Ever since his starting nine interview, just really showed who he was as a person. Great guy. But when he got hit, so he got hit with a 97-mile-an-hour sinker, I believe, in the face, walked it off like it was – he laid down a little bit, but then he walked it off like it was nothing. Got a little cut. And you could see the Cardinals pitcher was torn, like absolutely destroyed. Like he threw his arms up. He was, he didn't know what was happening. Yeah. He and went, clearly his command was having a tough time because he came back and hit DD with the next pitch. Yeah. And Girardi got ejected because he's like, the pitcher should be ejected. But because of the new rule, the three inning rule or three batter rule, you can't take the pitcher out. When after he hit Harper, he would have taken him out. Side note um, here, Joe Girardi ejections are very entertaining to watch when he yeah. ejects the umpire. If you yeah, know what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. Well, he ejected the pitcher too. Yeah, that's right. So it was it was quite the thing. But yeah, uh, and then what Bryce did afterwards. Yeah, anyway, he texted uh what's the pitcher's name? Genesis Cabrera. Yeah. So he texted Cabrera and was like, Listen, man, it's okay. I'm okay. I want to see if you're okay. He Harper, the one who got hit with in the face, was like, are you yeah. okay to the pitcher? Like, that's just a gentleman move. It is. It shows his leadership, and people, you know, have branded him as, oh, he's cocky, he only cares about – no, he's clearly showing that he's a good person because he reached out to him because he knew he felt bad about it because there was no intent there. No yeah, exactly. Did. If you want to hit somebody, you drill them in the hip or something. You don't drill them in the face. Oh, well, yeah. No. If you 
you well, honestly you should put him in the elbow because that hurts a lot. But that's hard to aim yeah. for. The ribs. The ribs is usually a good spot. That's true. Um. Anyway, great guy, Harper. We're on Not Team we Harper now. On that. We're full Team Harper. Great guy. He can't. I think the media, honestly, is what made us not Team Harper originally. Mm. Yeah. Media I mean, and you, for giving out that contract, you want to see as a very guy, Matt Clintac, get some credit for it. You know, he's he's not the GM anymore, but he was the one that gave that deal out. So, you know. Yeah, that's the other thing. found his superstar and paid him. Everyone's like, he hasn't lived up to expectations. It's more the Phillies haven't lived up to expectations. He still ha- he hasn't been bad. Now, he hasn't been $350 million worth of a player, but this year he kind of has. Yeah, that's I agree. It's almost impossible to live up to those expectations. Only Trout can. But that's true. And, and DeGrom, because he got a very cheap contract, so that's easy. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I'm fully on board with everything you said there. Speaking um, of guys got big contracts, uh, Max Scherzer was unreal today. I love Max Scherzer. He's such a dog out there. 106 pitch complete game with nine strikeouts against the Marlins. And then afterwards, he's like, oh, sorry, guys, I can't make the Zoom meeting because my wife's in labor right now. So I got to go over to the hospital. You know, just casually throw. throws a complete game with that on his mind. He was doing it for the kid. Clearly. No, but anyone who does that is just insane. And we know he is, mentally. He's a free agent at the end of the year, too. So, be interesting. He seems like the type of guy that wants to pitch until his arm falls off. Yeah, I yeah, he's one of those old-school hurlers, for sure. I, I still think the idea where if the Nationals aren't in contention, he's trading, getting traded at the deadline to a contender. Probably the AL, because they want to keep him out of the NL, but still. I mean, yeah, we'll see what happens, but maybe the Nats trade him and then sign him back, do a little Chapman move. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. You go contend for a year, we'll get some prospects, and then we load up again for 22. Yeah, we help you out. You get another ring, hopefully, and then you come back home where your wife and your kids are. You don't even have to sell your house. You just rent an apartment for the half the year. Come back happy. We'll contend next year. Yeah, I mean, the Nationals are never a team that's wanted to do a rebuild before, so I don't see why they would now. No, exactly. Yeah, they're one of those old-school teams. And speaking of old-school, Ryan Zimmerman's having a great year after sitting out 2020 because of COVID. He's come back with a vengeance, aging like a fine wine. Yeah, we thought maybe that was going to be his last year, too. We thought uh, he's not going to come back. He might just retire. Yeah. Everybody had written him off, but he's proving people wrong. So we love people that prove people wrong. Oh, we do. And talk about another outfielder is injured. Soto. They could, yeah. It's tough. I mean, goes without saying, it's one of the best players in the league. You need him in your lineup if you want to be good. You do. So, yeah, with the injuries to him, to Tiso for all Acuna for a while, it's not an ideal start to what has otherwise been an awesome season. I guess the only good thing is that they haven't really overlapped too much with when they've been out. Like Tatis was yeah. out, Acuna and Soto were still there. Acuna was out, Tatis just came back, Soto was going out, and now Tatis and Acuna are back, but Soto's out. Maybe we're just getting out of the way early in the season so they can be healthy for the stretch run and the pennant chase. Post-All-Star break, it's going to be nuts. Oh, I can't wait. Me neither. 
with uh, they just announced that Yankee Stadium and City Field can be back full capacity in July, um, probably sometime in August for Boston. Um, everybody's in a little bit different spot because like Texas, it's full capacity now, but we got the fans coming back. We got the atmosphere coming back. It's a good time to be a baseball fan. Yeah, and we need that because ticket prices at Fenway are ridiculous. Yeah, that's unsurprising. It, no. You thought it was bad before? Well, now try to get limited edition tickets during a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> On top of that $10 water. Yeah, and you can park out right outside, but it will cost you $70. Just and yet we wonder why attendance is down. It's not because people don't want to see baseball. It's because not everybody in the world is loaded. It's because John Henry's greedy. Well, we could say that about a lot of owners. It's true, but they at least got big parks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Fenway is Fenway, you know. Oh, yeah. You could probably expand it a little bit without ruining it. Hey, I'm all for getting more people in there. I don't know how you'd do it, but I think you could. Yeah, well, we'll leave that up to the pros. That's their job to figure out the logistics. Exactly. All right, guys. The ideas, um, guys. I mean, that was a good show, right? Yeah. It's a great show. Yeah. Great to get back. Uh, starting either next week or the week after, once we're done with finals, we're gonna get we're gonna get this thing going hard. Maybe start two two times a week over we the summer. We'll be, be revving it up. We're looking for we better than ever. I will be done with my finals by this time next week. So the fun starts soon. I'll be done a few days after that. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Trust me. You're going to want to tune in this summer. You will first say a prayer for both of us to get to our finals weeks. Yeah, please. Thank you. But All right, guys. Thanks for listening. It was a great show and we will see you next time. See you guys.